Welcome back to Pats from the Past podcast. It's time now for part two of our conversation with Scott Pioli. So the overhaul happens. You know, it's a 21 right. free agents. Uh, it's just a Izzo, 20, 20, 20 Izzo, some odd. 23, Damon, not that I yeah, can 23, right. okay. Izzo, Heward, Vrabel, the list no. goes on Mike, and on. Mike Compton. I mean, right. there's, there's a million. Stevens. million right. Mike Compton, guys. one of the most important free agent signings of all of our years. I liked Mike Compton. Um, Love Mike. I wanted to talk, Matt and I were talking about this earlier in the week. You know, just, is it just a matter of, we need to just cast a wide net. We need to get some players in here. We need to get some competition on this roster. Or is it more Mike Compton has some of these characteristics that we're looking for? And I uh, think he know. might be able to carve out a role for us. I'm not telling you he's going to be our starting guard, but these guys, he's got some abilities that I think can help. Probably us. different so. for different, you know, David Patton, different case than Mike Compton. And probably different for a lot of those guys. So, so quick background on the types of guys. Um, Things didn't work out in Cleveland. And there were some really, really good people in Cleveland on the roster. And then some that weren't Bill's kind of guys. Bill had Bill had his signs in Cleveland. Three rules. Be on time, pay attention, work hard. That's it. And I remember having a conversation with Bill there, you know, at near the end and saying, you know, I feel like we have a lot of guys that can't be on time, pay attention, work hard. And I'm a slappy. Uh, and, and I mean that sincerely. And because I was confused, I needed to ask that question to understand. I didn't understand the contradiction. And it became this long conversation that 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 Bill and I had. And and Bill's leadership is is unique. And, you know, um, people think, oh, he's this crazy disciplinarian. You know, I, 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 I bristle at that because, you know, I remember this conversation with Bill in a scouting meeting when he kind of shouted down a scout. Um, and again, I was a slappy listening, and, and this guy was talking about this player being undisciplined because, yeah, he, you know, he, he's, not, he's got these tattoos and earrings and hair. And Bill goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, I don't give an F if a guy has tattoos, earrings. That has nothing to do with discipline. Can he be on time? Can he be dependable? And it was one of those moments. And it was times when Bill would sometimes speak in – if you, I feel this way about life. If you listen to leaders speak when you know they're being authentic, right? Because there's a lot of leaders speak, they have to give leader speak. Right. That isn't necessarily. But you, if, you, if you listen at the right times, you get truth. Paul, I say that because when we planned to come here and we built this thing, one of the reasons we only had 51 players and not 53 was one of the promises we made when we got here was that we were not going to have people that weren't going to live to our standard or our code. Again, that didn't make them bad people. It didn't make us arrogant. It didn't make it, you, you know, it just, it wasn't going to work. And it was going to be. You're not going to compromise. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things, and I, I will, you know, because I remember this conversation in our, in our second year in the old Foxborough Stadium, and there was this moment where we were having injuries and we had to make a choice and a decision. And Bill and I were sitting in his office alone. Bears was right outside. And it was a moment where we could have compromised to maybe improve the, the roster athletically. And Bill and I sat there and had this conversation about it. We said, hey, we said we we're going to do it a certain way this time. And the promise was that we're going to go and we're going to surround ourselves throughout the organization with people that we were aligned with 
and that we would rather, if we were going to fail, we're going to go down in flames doing things the way we truly and genuinely believed in team. That we weren't going, it wasn't going to feel like it felt in Cleveland. And part of that, Paul, is we started looking for guys like that. We wanted guys who had, here's the thing about players, you know, a lot of people talk about versatility. They talk about the skills and the tools and the intelligence to be versatile players. Like Mike Compton, who before we signed, because, again, remember, I had pro personnel background. That's one of the reasons we signed 23 free agents that year. Mike Compton, I knew that player inside out. Here's what I knew. He had started games at left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle over the course of his career at the Lions. He had started every position. You know how smart you have to be and to be able to be that thoughtful? Mike Compton is football brilliant. He's just a smart guy. You know, he was an academic All-American in West Virginia. People see him and hear him, and, and they, they're, they're thrown off by his, you know, his drawl, his line. Dude is smart. And when we signed him, here's what people forget when we brought him in that 2001 season. Every time we were in shotgun, Mike Compton was a center. When we, because Damian Woody couldn't, couldn't do it, couldn't, couldn't shotgun. do it. It was a Chuck Knobloch thing, right? And the selflessness, the amount that no one, no one cared. Everyone was just there to do their job. So we were finding people that that was, you know, they were a certain way. And all those guys, again, Matt Stevens, Antoine Smith, they were, you know. We had this, you know, saying in, in personnel, too. I used to say to, the, to all the scouts, listen, hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Let's find out. Scouts love to talk about what players can't do. That's the old way of scouting. Uh, it well, actually goes on now, too. I sit in scouting rooms, you know, now with teams where I've got friends, and I listen, well, he can't do this, he can't do this. And our thing was, okay, what can he do? We have 53 spots. We can put 46 guys on the game roster. Bill will figure it out. Bill, Ernie, Rack, Charlie, they will figure it out. On how You find good football players that can do at least a couple of things and can deal with Bill's leadership style, which, again, I go back. Bill's leadership style is really very easy, guys. People think it's complicated. Think It's not. If you can be on time, pay attention, work hard. There's a spot for you. And, and yeah, it, is it demanding? Hell, yeah, it's demanding. Success in life is demanding. And, and, and if that's not for you, again, that's – we ain't mad. Right, right. So you've got all the – that, that, that just got me worked up. Yeah. Here, <laughs> so now you start to, you're starting to accumulate program guys. You're starting to build your culture. Mm-hmm. And I, you tell me if I have this right, but 2000 happens, 2001, influx of all these people. Is it you going into the bubble? Is it you driving by the bubble – in the winter of hmm. 2001 and seeing the lights on and going, who's in the bubble here in March or who's, you know, what's going on here? Cause there was a kid that was trying to improve yeah. at that point in time. Was he by himself, Scott? The, the construction was going on, but yep. you could see the lights of the bubble were on. And you know, we talk about how you're raised. My dad is still, my dad's 84. He's still that guy. If you leave a room, and you leave a light on, you're getting, a, you're getting a, not only pissed, you're probably getting a shot in the back of the head. Right. You know, <laughs> just the way it is. My dad used to have this line, hey, you got stock in Orange and Rockland, <laughs> right. and Orange and Rockland was a utility company. <laughs> right. right. So you always turned off lights. And it's funny. I, I remember Robert, Robert and I had a conversation early on because when I came here, Robert really, we didn't know one another. Sure. Right? And 
it was complicated for Robert and I too because Robert knew that Bill really wanted me here, but this guy's Parcell's son-in-law, and I don't think there was a lot of trust there. But as we were getting to know one of the one of the things Robert would see me when we would, I always turned off, you know, and it wasn't, it was just instinct. automatic. Yeah, right. it was instinct. It wasn't like I stopped. I'd walk out, and he, I rem- I'll never forget early on. It was one of the things he brought up to me. He says. You know, he asked me what I was, you know, what, why'd you turn And he, because Robert, Robert is so smart and so um, humanly smart, right? He reads people. And um, it, it became one of those things that Robert and I bonded on because, you know, Robert, um, yes, Robert has become a billionaire. It's, it, and, you know, Robert was. Not by accident. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, he appreciates people that are respectful just because you have it doesn't mean you have to spend it respect respect the money that you have right and how you use it right it's um you know i want to go back just mentioning robert i, w- I want to mention the players and the type of players that we brought in then we'll get back to the bubble story um one of the other things that was really really cool about coming here was you know bill and i had this idea and this plan and, and how we wanted to do things and people were going to and, and what the culture was going to be and the types of people. The thing that was in place here, clearly, um, not just because of Robert, but because of Myra, in terms of who they wanted representing their brand. Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to make jokes about the, the word, the brand, right? Yeah. Football guys, you, <laughs> the, the market people talk about. But they, this did become a brand. And part of that brand was, it was known, not only did Bill and I want to pay attention to who we were bringing in this building we knew that we were aligned with ownership not just Robert but Robert and Myra of who they wanted and when you have that kind of support here's what we knew we were never going to receive pressure from an owner to possibly sign someone and bring someone in like maybe we did in Cleveland you know, there, there wasn't going to be that. And, and again, it wasn't just, Ro- it was Robert and Myra. Anyways, uh, th- that was an important part of of us um, being able to do a, w- things the way we wanted to. But but that night, I was leaving the office and, and, you know, the lights are on in the bubble. And I was like, oh my gosh, who did that? And it was a Friday night. It was the last one here, but it was close to the draft. And, and I remember going over there and <laughs> I remember, you know, Bledsoe had helped Brady, who was a six-round pick, get a car deal. But the car deal that he helped him get, and I still don't know to this day if it was intentional or not, but Brady had a yellow Jeep. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm. He had this awful. Vaguely. I remember it. You know, yellow's a cool color now. But it wasn't that then. Not in 2001, (laughs) no. So sure enough, he was over there working out. And, you know, I've told that story a million times because it was – it was – it was – just more reinforcement of who he was because when as I turn around and leave and we talked real quick I'll never forget the only reason I ended up telling that story is because Tommy finally gave me permission to tell the story because when I was leaving that night he's he's like Scott don't tell don't tell anyone you saw me here please so it's not like it was an aha moment here's this guy he's you know working on this Friday night but it validated maybe what you had witnessed after going through 2000 with them and him not dressing for several games and everything like that, fourth on the depth chart, okay, let's see what you're going to do. And maybe you then saw those qualities and that sort of 
I don't know if epitomized is the right word, but like this sort of validates what we think that this kid's going to work. Here's Matt. Here's what it is: is so, you know, one of the blessings I had in my time working here was I was still relatively young, and even though I was in this position, um, you know, I, I worked out. I worked down the weight in the weight room in the evenings or different times, off times when players weren't there. Um, and if you remember in the old Foxborough Stadium, you had to go down that step. You know, you walked in the mm -hmm. door, Bill's yes. office was straight ahead. You walked down that stairwell, and when you got to the stairwell, that <laughs> what we call the weight room, room right. was, yeah. was right there. And then to the right was was Ron's office. The you know the uh, the training Trainer. room, and then you're right in the locker room. You turn, you go through a curtain, and you're in a locker room. And um, so I would go down and work out later in the evenings. Now, there was also some stations down there where you could watch film. Like Pepper Johnson had his D-line room. And that the, remember, the defense was in the way back, which is the door that players used to go out to come out to the field. And that's that's where the rats lived. <laughs> um, Pepper had the rats named. He had two. It, it was kind of like, you know, the Jackson <laughs> 5 that had the mice with them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Pepper had his rats named. And uh, what I'm saying is I would go down there to work out, and I would say – Almost every evening when I was down there working out, everyone was gone. Brady would come down and would be getting a workout or he'd be doing stretching stuff. Now, you look at that and you say, okay, you know, I'm the vice president, player personnel. Is this guy, is this an act? What is this? Is he down here because he wants to be seen? You know how some people he figured Absolutely. out that you were there? Right, right. right. Is yeah. he oh, this will be good timing. Right, so, so exactly. But when it happens almost – every day or every night or multiple times and then that's how Tommy and I started to cultivate our relationship I'd go down there I, I always want to go down by myself because I could control the music I'd listen to what I want that's what I found out a lot about Brady's really 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 bad <laughs> music selection you know um Coldplay. well because oh no well I know Coldplay that was when he that was good I was okay with Coldplay but Coldplay wasn't even around in 2000 no, like, but I'll, I'll never forget there. this moment I had this this mixtape on, or it was a CD at the time, and Brady goes, wow, who's that? And uh, I go, the Rolling Stones? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I, 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 like I, he said, yeah. And it was the Beast, beast of Burden. And it, anyway, it was like, he's like, he learned I, I excuse me I, he learned music a, a lot of Via older you? music uh, and then we ended up sharing music and he would keep me update anyway um he was there almost every night but here's the other thing that i found out um and realized because he would go back and watch tape sometimes in pepper's space and he would come in and he would, uh, and the reason i gave the layout of the room he would come in that front door and immediately go down the stairs go in through the, the offensive locker room, back into the defensive locker room, the D-line room, and watch film back there. So no one knew he was in the building. Eventually, someone got him a key to the building, so he'd get out and got him a key to the indoor facility. And so it, it was one of those moments in the, in the indoor facility, I knew it was authentic, right? Because I had seen this other pattern of behavior, and as I, I always told our scouts, listen, People are going to do things – I mostly talk about it in terms of when they make mistakes and we're, we're evaluating character and if a guy smokes dope or if a guy gets popped or, you know. It, is that who he is? I, I, is that a one-off or is it a two-off or is it a three-off or is that a pattern of behavior? Right. Brady had this pattern of behavior that was authentic, that was real, 
and he was really trying he didn't he honestly did not want people to know i think he was a little embarrassed at times that he had to work so hard and others didn't you know what i mean there were other people who were more naturally talented than him that didn't work as hard for whatever their reason and not, not to say that they didn't work hard but he was maniacal and he was over there not he wasn't over there brown nosing right i think we can still say yeah, that. absolutely he, he wasn't up there kissing up to the bosses he was actually coming over to hide so scott let me ask you this you know uh uh through a terrible thing that happened with drew an opportunity and he you throw him into the fire and and it's an unbelievable magical season are you of the opinion that if Drew doesn't get hurt, that somehow, some way, Tom still would have, there would have been a way or he would have found a way to create another opportunity? This one, you know, comes up and it was fantastic. Do you believe it wasn't just circumstance yes. that got him to where he is? He would have found another way to get there. He would have found his way on the field with the New England Patriots in time. There's a reason, again, we talk about we only had 51 players on the roster in, in 2000, but we kept four quarterbacks, you know, Drew, John Freeze, Bishop. Michael Bishop, and Tommy. Um, there's a reason we didn't keep put them on the practice squad and try to play. We, we, we were afraid um, because we knew there was something there. There was something. We knew it wasn't perfect. We knew it had a long way to go, but we also knew he also had this ability. The players genuinely respected him. Um, and there, there, there was a he, – here's the other reality. You talk about the, the, the salary cap. That was a reality that um, back then we were all still learning the salary cap, right? And, and even and, – and part of the fakeness that you mentioned, the salary cap, I'll, I'll give you the explanation of what's, what makes it appear, you know, not a hard cap. Back then – we knew that the NFL was a good money-making venture, right? And we knew that the salary cap was built on um, a percentage of revenues. Revenue, yeah. There was revenue coming in, but a lot of the people didn't necessarily – There was a, the, the way the system was set up was – and the way that the revenues were coming in, there was a steady, slow, and small increase of the salary cap early on, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this league exploded. And it had exploded, but there was revenue coming in in volumes where teams were getting themselves in salary cap jail. We used to sit every year and wait, oh boy, the Colts blew it this year in the salary cap because they were they had borrowed, they had kicked the can down the road where they did those, you know, the, the signing bonus converted the base to signing bonus they're gonna have to pay at some point in time we refuse to do that because early in salary cap years the teams that did that had to pay the piper and they had a couple of seasons where they were down well that started to change and that's what you're talking about the revenues increased so much that teams can kick the can down the road and put themselves in salary cap trouble and then they get this you know get out of jail free pass but we the reason that we signed all those free agents that year was this. Remember, in 2000, when we arrived, the salary cap was only, I want to say it was like $40 million or some, some, something outrageously low like that. And we were $10.5 million over the salary cap, and we only had 41 players under contract or the rights to 41 players, meaning restricted free agents and their tenders. And 
we had to do the fake borrowing. I think it was on Drew and maybe one or two other players. And Bill and I did not want to do it. It was like one of the things we were we are not going to borrow against the cap. And um, we ended up having to do it that year. And to get under the cap, we got under the cap, and we only had 39 players. That's part of the reason we went out and we signed that, you know, that next year so many guys. I think the first year, <laughs> the only free agent we signed maybe the first year was, was Eric Bjornsson. Remember the title? Sure, Eric Bjornsson. Yeah. Out of Dallas. And, and, and then we started signing all these players that were, you know, it was the Anthony Pleasants, it was the Bobby Hamiltons, it was the Roman Pfeiffers, the Mike – Vrabels, the Larry Izzo's, all of those guys. You know, Vrabel was not a full-time starter. He was a special teams player. Right. I think Larry Izzo may have been one of the highest profile players. Even though no one knew him, we knew him because he was a Pro Bowl sp- special teams player. I think we gave him 250 to sign on a two- or three-year deal. And all of these other players were guys that we knew that we could – they were the makeup and the type of player that were going to fit our locker room, our system offensively, defensively, and culturally. And um, I know I kind of veered back to. So, yeah. so when did you when did you sort of know, like, so I, Matt asked the question about, you know, Brady would have gotten his shot eventually. But so now he, he's yes, in he there, yeah. and there's still some ups and downs, even with Tommy. Oh, gosh, and, and yeah. There was no, there were no indications that you guys were going to do what you were going to do no. as late as Thanksgiving. No. No. When did when did none. you first get an idea? After you know Reeves, what? Well, I I even think during the playoff run we didn't know because he was doing some really good things. But you know, meaning Tommy I mean, was doing well, some really well, good him, things, but it wasn't perfect. Him specifically, yeah, but, but winning the Super Bowl. I mean, you guys, you take all of these things that you you just talked for, you know for a half hour about all of these different guys that we had to bring in and all of these different <laughs> basically a complete overhaul. Bill has called it on record. I think a waiver wire team. Right. <laughs> You're five and five. Like, what, was there ever an indication that you guys were going to do what you did? No, no, not not my mind. Even because in the moments that you're winning those games, and I think the way that we are built and part of the culture, again, for better or worse, is, okay, we just won that one, but look what we got to do next week. <laughs> yeah. And that was part of it. And it, that, was, that wasn't fabricated. That was just it. it. It's kind of where, you know, that was our reality as well. And that became part of the – you know, can you guys just enjoy this? It's like, no. <laughs> it was no. Because it's funny. Another funny story is after we win that Super Bowl, I will never forget. I had never been to a Super Bowl. I had, Bill had been that deep in the playoffs and gone to a Super Bowl. And, you know, you've got – we're in the Super Bowl. I had gone to the, you know, the All-Star Games by myself. Bill didn't go. None of the coaches went that year. And, you know – but we get done with the Super Bowl. Well, we hadn't had the All Star Games yet, but we were we were having draft meetings, and 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 I'll never forget. We got on that plane leaving New Orleans, and my heart. I was happy. I was. Don't get me wrong. I was so excited, but all I could think about is how far behind we were. It. it we were so far behind, and and you know none of the coaches do any of the players. You know, and this is this is where I think you know there's this other real. Tr- Bill hadn't looked at one college player, he, no. you know, and or a free agent. Uh, yeah, he s- saw some of the free agents as the years went during during the season. He kept notes on certain guys. Okay, who are the free agents were playing against with the Jets this week or whatever. But but the work hadn't been done, and but that was part of our whole thing, Paul. It's a great question because we never thought 
And then at the end of that season, we're like, oh my gosh, we got to pr- prove this was. <laughs> yeah, do it again. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. And this is I was uh, I wasn't working here yet, but I was working at a at one of the local TV stations, and we were doing the coaches show, and it was after the parade, and so huh. it was a it was a bit of a uh, a tussle. Hey, can we get Bill? Can we get Bill? Okay, I guess. And he comes in, and I'm telling you, you would have thought that you just got smoked the next the day before, forty two to nothing. And I'm looking, you know, this is my first experience with this as you're living it. And he's miserable. And it's like, dude, there was a million, and a, as Robert would like to say, a million and a half people <laughs> on a freezing February day that was coronating you for doing this. And he's going, well, what's the story today? I don't know. You're the most, you know, unlikely Super Bowl champion in 36 years. And it was, I'm so far behind. This is we're, this is taking six weeks behind right. This is I taking time away from what, weeks, I, and that, and what I really should be doing. I don't have time for this. So. Good lesson. Two really important things in that. Um, I mentioned earlier in talking about some of the people that I hired here and mentored um, and how I and we could be exhausting at times, emotionally exhausting. Bill felt that way. I I remember being in panic on the plane, Mm -hmm. and I sat with Bill. You know, his wife at the time, Debbie, um, she moved, and Bill and I sat there, and we were going through – this list. The other thing we had to do was the expansion draft was coming, and we had to decide what players that just helped oh, us yeah. win a world championship that we were going to expose. I mean, you want to talk about wanting to throw up in your mouth? Here are these guys that just gave it to you, man, and you're talking about having to let them go. And that was our mentality. We always felt like we were behind, and it wasn't fabricated. It wasn't Bill. Here's the thing is, people say that, that, that Bill did this. No, there was this group of people that are all built the same way. I'm built the same way Bill was, you know, Ernie is and was Charlie. And it was, and I think that was part of the power, but also it was exhausting. It was exhausting for the people, not just, I don't mean for us. You say Bill was exhausted. We wore people out, not intentionally. Of course. It was, it was, it was intentional in the sense that we had a mission, we had a job. But, uh, and here's the second part of this story I want to tell. I'll never, ever forget that week. Nancy Meyer, who I adore Nancy. She is family. I, I she's, I love her. Uh, I, we do as well. Oh, we absolutely I mean, I'm getting, do I'm as well. I'm getting emotional now. The yeah. greatest. Um, that week, I'd say I'm getting like, after the Super Bowl, and they're planning the parade, um, we're talking, you know, Nancy had to ask me questions, you know, just for help logistics. And no, and I'm like, uh, I'm not going. I told Nancy I'm not going. She's like, she, what? <laughs> And she was serious. And this is the beauty of mine and Nancy's relationship. Um, I never felt like Nancy. She said one one time she worked for me. She, we. Nancy worked with me. I worked with Nancy. I love her and respect her. This 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 organization is a different place without Nancy. No question about it. And. She said, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, Nancy. Look at where we're at. We're behind. I've got to do this. I've got to get all this stuff ready for the coaches. We're going to have coaches meetings now. Da, da, da. And she, I'll never forget, she looked at me like dead in the eye. And she's not always an eye stare, right? You know, so, and she looked at me. She says, you have got to be kidding me. She goes, we may never, ever, ever have this chance again. And she said, you may never go even go to another Super Bowl. And she was like, she was borderline. Nancy has this great way of some of suppressing when she's angry, but you can tell when she was angry and she was borderline mad at me. And she's like, you will regret this for the rest of your life if you don't go to this parade. So Scott, 
and I went because Nancy talked me into it. The obsessiveness and the on to the next thing. I don't know if obsessive is the right word. You can correct me on that. But no, obsessive is the word because it's dysfunctional. But that's in your DNA and likely one of the reasons why this team and this organization became so successful. But, but, but with that, there's the curse. And the curse is, are you enjoying it enough? Are you going to the parade? Are you understanding that you may never come here again? That's got to be a tough thing. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. And, uh, you know, I also look back at the 18-1 the and one season. You know what? And in one way you say, I was not enjoying the – I don't know if any of us enjoyed that 18-1 and one season, um, leaving the one out into the moment. And, um, and to me, there's the sick part. That's – you know, in my mind, I can sometimes say to myself, that's why you can't enjoy it. You might go 18-0 and 0 and then go 0-1. And one. And it, it's not healthy. It's not good. It's, sh- you know, there's this, there's this forever balance of accomplishment and dysfunction. And those things, it's, 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 like, it's, you know, Parcells long ago called it an addiction. He says, you know, this game is a narcotic. And there is an element of, and again, coming from a family of addicts, um, I understand it and I can relate to it in the sense that, there's something exceedingly and remarkably dysfunctional about it, even though it can, you know, you 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 let go of a lot of things and people when you become obsessive about it. And, you know, it's, it's trying to find that balance, man. Did you have to fail? And you've talked openly here about failing, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Epically, I think, is the word. Right. (laughs) But do you do you have to fail, Scott, in order to see that other side? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I don't know if you have to. um, But it certainly. It certainly helps. I'm trying to find a better word than helps because help is a positive thing. um, Is it necessary? Because it's like anything in life. You know, how much do you know that you love something until you lose it? Right. It's um, it, it's this idea that when you have success and you win, human nature is to complacent is too strong of a word. It's this mix of complacency, entitlement, um, credit. Who's getting the credit? And, or and and not necessarily. Again, human nature is to let your guard down and to think that things got easy. And sometimes you forget the process and the path. It happened so quickly here, but I'll never forget in meetings, Bill and I in private meetings, and it was after that first Super Bowl, Bill said, it was just Bill and I, and he says, people will never, ever, ever understand how difficult this was and what what we had to do Mm. and what we had to put up with. So you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the aftermath, you know, once you win and then like, holy bleep, what do we do now? And you you mentioned the word we had a show. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> so now you go to you go to O two, and there was a lot of talk. You know, Tom ends up, you know, signing the deal, and you know he's the guy. We you know you trade Drew, which was to me a, a pretty obvious move. As much as Matt will tell you, I absolutely love Drew to this day. Um, and uh, you have to. He's t- a good man. What 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 happens in O two that causes you to fall short of your, of your goals? I think that. It, it was a combination of things. I think we, going back to the Super Bowl, we were a great 
team that won the Super Bowl. And we were still a team that was developing, right? We had a lot of those free agents that we signed were, it was going to be temporary. Some were older and going to be leaving. Some were young and Mike Vrabel was still developing, right? We still had some players and, um, you know, part of what happens in this game that I, you, because it is a team game, it's, you know, there's also this thing that's real that's momentum sometimes. And we had a lot of momentum in that season and we had belief and we had, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have time to stop and think that, okay, this is the greatest show on turf, right? We didn't have you didn't time know any better at that to time. think that, you know, how good the Steelers were and, 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 um, and you know, our quarterback was still developing. You know, Tommy had he had a terrific season, but you know what? We had a great defense and a lot. You know, I'll, I'll say this: part we retrospectively, and even in the I say retrospectively, in the moment, I do get frustrated. Or I did get frustrated, and I get frustrated even more now, looking back retrospectively, at how many really good football players we had on this team, particularly on defense. Our defense carried us. And people say, well, look at the statistics. Well, this isn't just about analytics. We were opportunistic. You have to look at some of the timing of the things that happened, some of the turnovers, some of the special teams plays, some of the moments, the key things that happened that went in our favor, that our defense took care of, that our special teams took care of. You know, I mean, even those field goals by Adam, you know, those were special moments. I mean, those were, that wasn't just, you know, too often and too frequently this organizational success gets reduced down to too few and Willie McGinnis was not a good player he was a great player Rodney Harrison was a great player Corey Dillon had a great season you know there was greatness all around us and then you know things like Randall Gay stepping up right you know I mean we didn't win a Super Bowl that year, but there were times where people just stood up. Mike Compton was a terrific. Go look at how many seasons Mike Compton played. You know, Joe Andrusi was a good football player, and I. I and then you, we go through that defense. Teddy Bruschi was a. I don't care what anyone says. Teddy Bruschi was a great football player. He'll likely not end up in Canton. I don't, you know, all, but you know what? He was a great football player. Even that he was a great teammate. And and when you say great football player, people want to say they want to reduce it down to on-field talent and stats only. But one of the things I go back to about those football teams and that early success was, and you talk about the culture here, there are a lot of things that the leaders, meaning Bill, the coaches, didn't have to deal with because that locker room took care of itself. Mm. That locker room ran people off. If you weren't all in, you were out. And when you have a team that's locker room led like that, it gives you an ability to focus on the important stuff because the, the key to leadership is eliminating distractions, right? And because this way, when you eliminate distractions, all your performers can perform. It means Charlie's not distracted, Rack's not distracted, none of you know, Brad Seeley's not distracted, Dante's not distracted. They're just coaching ball. Bill's preparing, you know, and that locker room took care of a lot of nonsense. 
Yeah, I remember you know watching you know Willie in particular. I just think back. You, you you're talking about all those players, and I know that the game has changed a lot in the 20 years. But like the, you know, you had like that old style three four defense. Yeah, the two gap. So you three, have four, like yeah. four linebackers, right? They had six. Right. Like you 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 look at the way they play now, and some teams kind of play without really any traditional linebackers. Right. Maybe right. one. Right. Right. They had they had. Ted Johnson, Teddy Bruschi, Roman Pfeiffer, Willie McGinnis, Mike Rabel. Who's my other one? Who am I missing? Rosie, when he came. Oh, Rosie Colvin. Rosie Colvin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like I used to say like that they had three for two spots inside and outside. Right. Like three studs. Right. You know, and I, again, and I, think I, I know the, it's, it's played different. You don't play that old school, you know, with the, the 310-pound two-gappers up front, you know, in every yeah. spot like we had with – you know, with Ty Warren and, and Vince and, and Richard Seymour. And like, we had the year with Trailer and Ted Washington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, like th- what, what Scott's talking about, like, <laughs> I don't know how you ever scored on that defense. Right. And, and so, Ty Law. And look, think about the secondary. Ty right. Law, Rodney. I mean, Lawyer was lawyer there. At the yeah, lawyer and then Rod. Yeah. Right. I mean. It's unbelievable. So we're getting close to he's going to – we're going to yeah, get yelled at. For uh, living, man. Yeah. We, we're going to get yelled at for keeping it for too long. But, you know, I just wanted to kind of maybe one of the last ones here is – you know, you talk about being able to accomplish anything. The the incredible high of 2001, maybe back to reality in 2002. But as you look at your career, Scott, you know, you can proudly say, you know, I was part of the last back-to-back mm. championships yeah. in the NFL. And I know everybody wants to crown the Chiefs and they're a dynasty. Let's see what they can do for a little time because, as you know, better than anybody, it's hard. It's hard. What does that accomplishment mean to you to know that as we're sitting here right now you guys did it and you were the last two to do to do it and those are arguably the two of the greatest teams in patriot history those two teams were unbelievable because they were great 2001 was a great team um the back-to-back teams were great teams with more with mature talent and again i'm not taking away from the 2001 team it was a different kind of talent again a lot of those guys had matured and were in the primes of their career and you knew you were going to beat the other team you you know the right the old four team in particular and we we joke about this scott and yeah do we get spoiled did matt and i you know being along for the ride with fred kirsch who i sure you remember Mm. um we we, i would sit and we had a joke i would sit in the press box and when I thought that the game was over, I would give Fred the nod. I'd just look at him and i go, like that. The all-time record was in Cleveland in 04 when Bethel Johnson returned the opening kickoff <laughs> for a touchdown. 15 seconds in, I said, this game is over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> that's how good that defense was. Right. And that's how good that team – That to me, the 04 team was the epitome of – The pinnacle. You asked. That was the pinnacle. You ask us how you want us to beat you today. You want us to put 35 yeah. on you? We could do that. See, we never thought like that. Though. No, no, no. That's what, so but, funny. But but that we team were s- had the ability to beat you. It, you could throw the ball 50 times by design. 1,400 yards from uh, Dylan or whatever. 1,600 yards. Uh, you, you could run it down their throat like you did to Indy in, in the uh, in the playoff game here, I think, in the divisional round. We had Troy Brown. Oh, right. Just get the ball out. So and many ways to win. The, I, I think what I think about that and feel about that, to me – that was um, the amount of selflessness that that took. And you look across the board, the amount of selflessness that it took. We built a team for 
for and it, it was buy-in from everyone right rack had opportunities to go prior to that charlie had opportunities to go before that i had opportunities to go from that all bunch of, you know we were losing people people were going but the players that chose to stay and and you know the stories are out there about tommy you know not you know tommy always got paid well he refused to be a pig and there were other players that wanted to stay here and wanted to be here and maybe could have it was it was this genuine selflessness and it was you know everyone everyone talks about what everyone got out of it everyone gave to it so we could get out of it everyone there's not a person and and again we talk about the players we talk about you know the, the trainers the equipment people the staff the, the the football operations organization the number of people i i, I you know i gave a, a a lot of talk about nancy and she deserves it and there were so many of the people you know one of the people that doesn't get talked about you know we jokingly talked about bears before the amount that that man has given to this franchise and what he gave during those times, people have no idea. You talk about the number of hidden figures, and you talk about the 04, the you know the, the, those two teams, the 03 and 04 teams. Man, the the number of people that gave of themselves. Um, I'm I'm getting emotional because it's just, what do I think about? I think about how how many people gave, um. For one another, not just to the principals involved, and it wasn't just the principals giving. It was it's what you dream about when you want to build a football team. It's it, what you dream about when you're 16 years old and you win the first championship of your life. You know, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the NFL Films documentary on on my high school coaching. I team. did. It was a tremendous piece, Scott. That's what. The, so it was that's, a great piece. So to me, that's the kid. You know, to me, that's what I think about it. It was like this greater good. You know, and these people that were hidden figures that didn't care, and they gave. So you're so when you're bowled over with sixteen thousand dollars and your and your record amount of rides back and forth to the airport in Cleveland, and then you can fast forward and to getting think, cigarettes for Dominelli right. and Percy, yeah. And then can you fast forward <laughs> to say, you know what, it pro- it was worth it. It was oh, worth gosh, it. it was worth it. You know, yes, it was. And again, but. You know, I look through because I, you know, I'm st- I got out of this young. I, you know, I finished in 2019, and I've chosen not to be back in. And you look at a different perspective, a different uh, through a different lens. And yeah, was it worth it? Are there certain things I look back and say, wow, I sacrificed that, or that relationship, or that moment within that relationship? You know, that's some of the stuff I think all of us that all of us that were here and other places in this game. I'm, I'm looking at you two guys. I'm guaranteeing you there are moments and things that your families mm-hmm. and relationships that you had to sacrifice. And you look at those moments sometimes. And Talk and to me on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I'm already right, pouting. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the schedule came out yesterday. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and there's, is it worth it? Yeah. And, and, and everything in life, there is trade-offs. You got to believe that you're in this something that's for the greater good. And there's got to be buy-in, and that, and you know, to that point, that's what I feel that that I've been able to take this, the the platform that this place and group of people, um, that we were all a part of, 
I now use it in a different way. Do I, do I miss Sundays? Hell yeah. But I just feel like there's other stuff I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I feel like I'm doing it. And part of it is even like on the TV stuff. It's, it's again, not because I'm smart, but because I have experience. I'm able to share with people that love the game. Right? Anyway. It's awesome. You got anything? No. Well, Scott, can't no, thank you enough here. for your time. We probably uh, abused that time privilege, but that's all right. This man. was uh, felt like it was a little. Uh, not only was it informative, emotional, and entertaining, a little emotional. Yeah, a little bit of self help. I feel I feel better about uh, the world. This was great. Long I feel overdue better. as well. Feel, feel I had a great appreciation for the first uh, part of the dynasty. You know, the O one O four championships. Just talking about it. And, and watching Scott's reaction to it, it's even more. It, there's there's a, a greater appreciation. You, you, time goes by, you sort of forget things. Right. Oh. You know, but then you go back and you, you sort of remember just how dominant. And, and to oh. me, it's still 04 is to me the best team in, in team history. Correct. It's, it will remain that way. But just watching Scott get worked up talking about it, yeah, I, I think. Makes uh, it all worthwhile. I think people will enjoy this listening. A lot of scars. It's not without penalty, it's not without hardship. But I don't know that anything that's ever really worthwhile, you got to suffer through it at some point in time, right? Scott, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, guys. Continued success down the road. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.